0: I did find that knowing Savannah was coming and speaking and kind of having an inkling on uh, some of the things that she was probably going to be touching on, uh, wanted to sort of tie um, our, our culture, our, our church here to churches there a little bit, and, you know, what, what do we have in common? That last verse that Brother Woody read is universal. At verse 34, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I, as a young boy, I would read that verse as a teenager and think, I don't have any treasure, you know. <laughs> I don't even have a good baseball card collection. But that's not precisely the nuance of that word treasure. It really has the idea of what do you treasure. You know, you can treasure things you don't possess. There's a caution, a command really, we should say in the Bible, right? Thou shalt not what? Covet. And so, you can, you can treasure, it speaks that yearning of the heart, that, that leaning into life in certain directions. And so, this is what we would say isn't really a promise so much as a truism. Like the book of Proverbs, as you read the book of Proverbs, for instance, It's not always necessarily saying this is what ought to be, but you need to understand this is the way life is. This is the way the fool is, the wise is. And so this is a truism. You know, be be brutally honest with yourself, because this is true of all of us. What our heart yearns for, what we go after, and yes, where we invest our actual money, speaks a lot to where our devotion really is where it really is. But again, I want to call our attention specifically to the verses in 29 through 31, where I think it's kind of the nucleus of what our Savior is trying to say here. And in these three or four verses here, you have a repeated word, the word seek. Seek. When my children were younger, I remember one one time we were out, and I'm like, spontaneously, and I didn't do a lot of stuff that was spontaneous, but I thought, let's stop for McDonald's Sunday. Yeah, I heard some groans. You already kind of know where this might be going. We live at the Grand Strand, okay? We were were down more Myrtle Beach, headed back up. And, of course, I knew that uh, at the time there was about four different McDonald's. And so we stopped at the first McDonald's, walked up the counter like we would like some Sundays. I'm sorry, sir. Our machine is broken. Back in the car. Next stop. How's your machine? It's not working, sir. You know, that was, we were on a hunt, right? We were seeking is the idea. I want you to think that way. You've had some sort of yearning, you've had some sort of hankering for something, and you've, you've gone after it. Now, you might do some intervening things along the way, but what's always preeminent in your mind is that item. And that's what our Savior is telling us. And what I would challenge us with is, is ask ourselves, what does our mind, our hearts, really seek after? Are our priorities in the right place the mindset of the world is shown to us in verse 29 what does the world do it's thinking about its next meal its next beverage he says seek not ye what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink neither be ye of doubtful mind appreciate brother woody's comment there james tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A lot of people trying to live an external life and an internal life, but we really are what we are at our heart. And so the world's good at putting on an outward appearance. Sometimes as Christians become kind of adept at it as well. Fortunately. Do we need to eat? Do we need to drink, folks? We do. In fact, that's a gift from God. He's given us all things richly to enjoy. We're going to enjoy a meal in just a little bit here in our, our fellowship hall. I can already smell the aromas. My mouth is already watering a little bit, so if I choke on my saliva, excuse me here. But quite frankly, I enjoy meals. I enjoy the fellowship over a meal. I like certain beverages. I, I am brutally honest. I, I love coffee, different kinds. Of, yes, amen. <laughs> you know, but, you know, when you sit down, if you have a good meal, it's a great joy. If it, if it misses the mark, you remember that too, don't you? <laughs> and yet, can we become preoccupied with those things? We can't. I remember as a, I have an older brother, I didn't always appreciate his wisdom uh, when I was younger, but I remember one time him saying to me, he says, Carl, he says, we're supposed to eat to live, not uh, live to eat. Good point, okay? Sometimes we kind of are thinking about that next meal, but really here, the idea of eating and drinking It's more than just consuming of nutrition here. It's representative of our very basic appetites as human beings. And so it goes on to other things. What does our flesh pine for? What does it reach out for? What do we find ourselves seeking? And the Word of God is saying, don't allow yourselves to be controlled or defined, by primarily being someone that's about your bodily urges, we could very appropriately even talk about sexual urges that are a gift from God, but you know that can become out of balance and improperly used as well. Philippians 3:19, Paul warns about the wicked, and he describes them as those people whose God is their belly. In other words, whatever I have an appetite for, that's what I'm going to go after. Again, we're not talking about these appetites or desires in and of themselves being wicked. God has the one that created hunger and thirst and our taste buds and those wonderful sensations. But what he says in the next verse, verse 30, after he finishes talking about these are the things which the world seek after, but notice what he says in contrast to that: "Your father knoweth that ye have need of these things." You say, "Well, I know God's all-knowing." Yes, but do we live that practically speaking? In our one of our adult Bible studies this morning, the lesson was about Jacob. Brother Mike was talking about Jacob and Esau, and I was just thinking about Esau's mindset. And how he was just like, that next meal, you know, give up, give up my birthright, you know, and ends up also losing out on the blessing as well. Don't be someone that's driven by those things. That's what the world does. But instead, understand that you have an all-knowing God who cares for you, And so, in short, what this text is teaching us is that we need to resolve to make God's priority our priority, whatever that is. And then our natural concerns can be met by God's providence rather than by our production. Sometimes we feel like, I've got to make this happen. And really, that's kind of a slap in the face of our our Father, isn't it? God says, listen, yeah, I, I don't want you to sit around idly and wait for crops to grow. You do need to go out there and till the ground and plant the seed. You've got to go to your jobs and understand that. What is it? It's, it's about that, that stress, that tension in our hearts and our minds of concern that he's talking about here. Well, if I don't do this, when God's maybe challenging us in some area of faith, when I was working in a grocery store for a summer. It was the summer I was courting my wife, and we got engaged at the end of that same summer. While I was working at that grocery store, I was hired for a very particular job. My job was to stock and face off the pet food aisle. Now, there were different people that worked in that same grocery store. Now, if I had spent all of my time thinking about my payroll check, Questions like, well, will the clerk be coming in to process the payroll when it needs to happen? Will she confuse my hours with another employee's hours? Will the printer work so that she can print out the checks? Will the manager remember to sign the checks before he leaves? You'd say, that, that's, that's not your area. Don't worry about that. And I would say, Exactly. My job was to go about stocking and facing off the aisle of pet food so that when the customers came in, they would buy it so the store would have profit so they could pay my payroll check, right? Sometimes we as God's people almost feel like in practice we have to do God's job for Him. And it's so sad. It's so sad because God knows... We will be so much better off if we'll operate under His guidelines rather than our guidelines. What are the applications of this? Well, number one, there is joy, rest, and peace that comes with trusting in God. It, all, when we, and again, this is at the base of our heart, not just giving lip service, well, I'm trusting Jesus, you know, but what's really going on in your heart? Have you really surrendered? God... Not my will, but yours be done in this area. Don't know how this is going to happen, but I trust you. We can get stressed about it, but when we really come to that point and say, okay, Lord, what's the next step? What's today? I trust in you. Recently, close friends of ours were telling us about relatives who had gone through this really bad situation of being almost defrauded and lost everything, everything and had to at retirement age had to go back and just make ends meet day by day you can say well, if that happened to me i would be really stressed out but could we then say lord you know this was no fault of our own this happened okay i'm trusting you today for what you have for me can we be like those lilies in the field that we read about You don't see them out there going to their clothing production stores, you know. They don't toil, they don't spin. But we look out on those fields and say, that is amazing, that view of that meadow. It is amazing. How did that happen? God took care of it. And Jesus says, if the Father, the Creator, puts that kind of care into a meadow that maybe is so beautiful and maybe human eyes don't even come across it because it's tucked away, in, in some out-of-the-reach place, but that beauty is still being amplified up to God in heaven. If God's going to do that in that field, you that are an image bearer of God, is He not going to do so much more for you? Second application is, can God not do more with tools than you and I can do with tools? We can look in our Bibles and we can think about Moses' shepherd's rod. Hey, what's that in your hand, Moses? It's just a stick. But we read through Exodus and we see what God did with Moses' rod. I sometimes wonder if Moses was laying down in his tent and that rod was laying next to him and before he drifted off, he was thinking about that. Man, for 40 years, I just thought you were a gnarly piece of wood. And you know what? That's all it was until God got a hold of it, right? I think about the purification pots in the town of Cana when the wedding feast takes place, just for washing, just for ceremonial cleansing, until Jesus turned the water into wine. Anybody else goes into that room where those, those clay pots were and, and tried to say, I'm going to try my hand at that, would be woefully disappointed, Right? They weren't magical pots any more than Moses' rod was a magical stick. And then how about that little boy's lunch? Five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus fed the multitudes. Their bellies were bursting and there were 12 baskets left over. Could have done lunch, could have done supper all over again. That little boy... those disciples couldn't have even done it. But God did it. On we could go. And so we need to look at what tools God has put into our hands. Your talent, your resources, your financial, whatever state is. Your time. You can only do so much, but the more we cling on to it and thinking, I'm afraid... I'm afraid to, to surrender this. There, there are certain things that I think ought to happen, and I want to give God glory as I serve Him this way. And with clenched fist, we go about, and, and we never experience what God can do when we truly surrender into His hands. But then the third and last application is this. Is there not a testimony towards the skeptics when we trust God's ample provision in our life? I mean, really, those evil sorcerers in Pharaoh's court, as they not only saw him turn that that rod into serpents, they tried to duplicate that, but then all those plagues that nobody can undo but, but Moses, which means really God, Him holding up his hands with that rod in his hands, giving victory over the the battle that day as Aaron and her hold up his his hands. I wonder how many pagans, how many heathens walked away and said, you know what? I don't think it was about the stick. I don't even think it's about the man. I think it's about the God. What manner of man is this? Right? Peter fishing in the boat all night, no fish. Now there's fish. Depart from me, O Lord. Right? There's that fear. Recognizing the deity of the Son of Man right there. And how many other onlookers? Folks, you have people around you that you know in the community, neighbors. Neighbors. And you have conversations with them. You have no idea if you really just trusted the Lord, maybe in some area that you're struggling with right now. And said, you know what, it isn't about my stuff. I need to be seeking after God and His kingdom. I need to trust Him to provide amply for me. And aside from me getting the joy and peace and satisfaction of that, wow, what a testimony that might be. You know, we've, we've launched out an initiative to, to build our next building that we feel like the Lord's leading us to do. And we're saying, you know what, we're going to trust God. We're not going to borrow money to do this. We're, we're going to ask Him to do that. I'm, I'm excited about the building that will end up there, but, you know, I'm even more excited about the stories and the testimonies that will be woven throughout the process of the journey that can be a great tool of witnessing to lost people. I mean, I've already had people say, well, you know, you're going to do some uh, big fundraisers and stuff? Yeah, our fundraiser is pray and give. Oh, you're not going to have like maybe a a big spaghetti dinner for the community and really try to encourage them to give? Oh, they can come to any of our lunches and, and enjoy food. We don't charge for these meals that we have here. I want them to know that God supplied it. I want to have the spirit that Abraham had when he came back victorious from the kings that had taken Lot and his family and their possessions and all those other kings into possession. And those pagan kings were so grateful. It's like, Abraham, you take the booty. You take all that wealth. We're just happy to have our lives back. And Abraham says, you know, I'm not going to take it because I don't want there to be any confusion. I don't want someone later to say, that you kings made Abraham wealthy. I want to be very clear that God is the one who has amply provided for me. Just came back from a board meeting at the Anchorage camp, and I love being part of the Anchorage camp. It is a place of miracle provisions over and over again. Looking at the financial statements, I mean, I look at it like, There's no logical reason why we should be in the black like this or why this should have happened and that building went up and that boat is there or whatever it is, except the Father provides. And God touches specific people to be instruments. And God does that here. He does it in Cambodia. He does it everywhere to the praise of His glory. And so as you're thinking about your life and material things, don't stress. Look to your Father. Seek first His kingdom. He'll add the things that you need. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the reminder to us. Lord, I pray that we would be with the mindset of not stress about what's going to happen with the economy, every time we get word that interest rates are being adjusted, every time we hear about something that's going to affect the economy, the prices, real estate. Lord, help us to become a people that are just so settled that those things just kind of split and roll around us because we say, you know what? My my trust is in God. I, I know what I'm called to do. I know what I need to do. And whatever my hand finds to do, I want to do it heartily as unto the Lord. But I'm going to seek His kingdom. I'm going to be faithful in that area. What I have is His. As He directs, I will disperse. I will spend. Lord, I pray that we'd enjoy the blessing of having a generous, kind, and wise Heavenly Father who takes care of us before we even know we have needs. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we bring this part of our morning to a close, I'd love to give you an opportunity to respond to not only what you've just heard from the Word of God, but also how this tied in to... The gospel ministry over in Cambodia. I realize we can become very materialistic here in the United States, but people are materialistic everywhere. And we just need to have that spirit of surrender, God. I give this to you. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I'm not sure that I have a, a relationship with God because fundamentally I have a hard time just trusting Him. Yes, Lord. I trust you with my eternal destiny. The irony is, if you don't trust Him, your destiny is sealed and it's not a good sealing. He's the only one that has a plan of salvation. You know that. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. God's Word's already said. You follow that path, it leads to destruction. So trust God. He will take care of you. Will you stand with me with heads bowed and eyes closed? And as the instruments play, use this as a moment to just respond to the Word of God.